Genesis chapter 18, we have uh, a wonderful, a wonderful uh, glimpse of one of the great intercessory prayer warriors praying an intercessory prayer. Now, you are an intercessory prayer warrior, you say, huh? I am? Well, you're either a good one or a bad one. The Bible says, first of all, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks should be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. So, first of all, that's what you're to be, an intercessory prayer warrior, the New Testament says. And here in the Old Testament, we have Abraham, and he is praying up a storm with God. In fact, an entire vile, 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 wicked city could have been spared because of his prayer. And it says here in Genesis uh, chapter 18 that God had come down to earth and he brought two angels with him. And the three angels, because Abraham thought that the Lord, Jesus Christ, who he was going to meet with, was an angel of the Lord at first. And uh, they, uh, he has them in. They have dinner for them. And they reminded him of God's promise to him. That Sarah, though she was beyond the age of childbearing, and uh, he was a uh, uh, hundred years plus old, that she was going to bear a child. Once they got past that, because Sarah laughed and Abraham was astounded, and once they got past that, it was time for the angels of the Lord, one of them being the Lord himself, uh, to go on to the town of Sodom. And Abraham had a nephew who now lived in Sodom. In fact, he was on the town council. The Bible says he sat in the gate. And that's where the judges, and we would call them uh, council members or whatever they are here in, in your township, that's where they, they would be, and people would come and get judgments from them. And Abraham was there. He'd been accepted into the city. He was a real business tycoon, and he'd been accepted into the city, and he was there judging the people in the gates of the city. And when these men came, uh, he took them into his home. But it, only two of them came to him because... Uh, a conversation goes on between these three angels of the Lord in verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation? Time out. When God makes a promise, the Bible says all the promises of God are yea and amen. And so when God makes a promise, he says, Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. That's a prophetic reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, look what he says. Father's Day was a few weeks ago, for I know him. That he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken. Now I want to ask you a question, dads. Uh... God knows you, and I want to ask you a question. He said, I know him. He will command his children and his household after him. Are you setting the example of what your children ought to be? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Not just Sunday morning. 
Are you setting your example? Because he said he will command his children after him. He could say without instructing them, do what I do, follow me, and you'll be right with God. He could say that. Uh, but, number two, Dad, are you commanding your children? Well, this is Old Testament. Well, in the New Testament, the Bible says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And having been a father of three children, I can tell you one of the hardest things I had to do for 20-plus years, because our kids were born spaced out like over four years between, uh, one of the hardest things to do was continue to maintain family devotions so I wasn't reacting to family problems. I was able to give instruction as God laid it out. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but fathers, bring them up in the nurture and admonition. Admonition is loving instruction of the Lord. I was not the uh, best father, and my children weren't the best children, but by God's grace, all three children and their spouses are serving God in local churches this morning if this is a normal Sunday morning in their household. And now my grandkids are starting to get up, go to Bible college, and have given their lives to God to serve God. Uh, Dad, if you're not doing that, start doing it. Well, Brother Miller, I wish I had done that. And I'm a grandparent now. No kids are living at home. You invite your grandkids over as much as you can to spend as many nights as you can and make it fun for them and be sure you always open the Bible and give them admonitions of the Lord. And then I, I, I've got a, a date tomorrow night with my wife and one of our granddaughters we're taking out to eat. And I've got a few things I want to slip in and say to her from the Word of God, uh, some loving instruction from Grandpa. Now, um, that was a side sermon. The Lord said, verse 20, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous. Now, there are several sins listed uh, in one of the minor prophets uh, that were characteristic of Sodom and Gomorrah. But the outstanding one was and I don't say this with animosity or hatred, but it was homosexuality. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that that is uh, against nature. The Bible says it's unseemly. And here uh, it says it's very grievous. And over in chapter 19, verse 7, when Lot finally takes a stand against that sin, he said, I pray you, brethren, do not sow wickedly. Homosexuality is wickedness, just like sexual sin, sex outside of marriage is sin, is wickedness too. It's not that there's an extra burden on people that feel a leaning toward homosexuality. Uh, people who don't have the burden not to uh, uh, commit fornication, not to commit adultery, we all have to decide to obey God and let him work through us. Now, uh, God's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He said their, their sin is very grievous. And uh, so the two angels of the Lord go on uh, to meet up with Lot in the city. And Abraham realized that the one left behind was not an angel of the Lord, but the Lord himself. 
And he's burdened because he has kinfolk. He has relatives. He's got Lot and his wife and their, their uh, uh, married children and their two virgin daughters there. And uh, Abraham's burden. Abraham already had gone and rescued Lot one time. He was willing to lay his life on the line when Sodom and Gomorrah was invaded and, and he found out that his nephew and family was carried away. And he already went out to battle one time uh, for him. And uh, when you love people, you do all you can do to try to help them. So, well, I don't. Then you don't love them. Agape love is God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. Now, Abraham, verse 23, draws near. The title of this sermon is, and I'm already halfway through it, but I'm just getting to my points. The title of this sermon is, what is America's number? You say, what do you mean? Well, I want to ask you something. How many of you believe, so I don't have to preach it and mess up our whole time schedule today, how many of you believe with your understanding of current events, understanding of world events, understanding of the Bible, that we are on the brink of or already have entered into the judgment of God for sin in our land? How many of you believe that? Raise your hand. All right. Now, the Bible says that God loves righteousness because he's righteous. In Psalms it says, the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. Abraham knew God well enough to know that. And Abraham was righteous. Well, how did Abraham get to be righteous? Did he keep all the commandments? Hey, nobody ever got to be righteous by the works of the law. The Bible says in the book of Romans, Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham got to be righteous the same way you get to be righteous. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, For with the heart man believeth unto what? Righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so Abraham got to be righteous by putting his faith in God the way we put our faith in Christ. And Abraham knew that God required righteousness. And demanded righteousness. So he, he talks God's language in prayer. Do you know God well enough when you're interceding or even praying for yourself or your family? Do you know him well enough to, to get on his level and interest him? Well, the Bible says in Psalm 34, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And his ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry. So Abraham draws nigh and he says, Wilt thou also destroy the, I'm in verse 23, what? Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure, that means if. There be 50 righteous within the city, wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked that the righteous should be as the wicked. Thus be far, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Look how many times the word righteous or right's here. And he said, are you going to reward those who put their faith and trust in you? Are you going to reward them by destroying them with the wicked? Now I want to tell you folks, the United States of America, I say on biblical grounds, is on a precipice of destruction. And we're seeing it. If I would have told you five years ago 
the things that are going on right now in our cities and the government acts the exact opposite of the government is supposed to and says, stand down, let our businesses be destroyed, let our city be destroyed, back off. If I would have told you that, you'd say, well, Brother Miller, he's one of these alarmists. He's one of these conspiracy theorists, if I would have told you this five years ago. But your pastors warned you, and I've warned you when I've been here, and other preachers have. And here's, here's what it's based on. The Lord loveth righteousness. And that comes to nations too. Righteousness, the Bible says, exalteth, lifts up a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. And listen to this verse. Every nation that forgets God shall be turned into hell. <clears throat> and this is not, uh, what we're seeing is not hell. Hell is far, far worse. But it's some of hell being let loose above the ground. We've never had times like this across our country. There were times during the 68 civil rights uh, rallies and turned into riots and the anti-Vietnam War riots where they break out here or there. But across the country, we've never had times like this. And we sing, God bless America, and people say, well, God's going God's to come to our aid. He always does. We've got the great American spirit. God doesn't care about the American spirit. He doesn't care about the Pledge of Allegiance to flag or our Constitution. The righteous Lord loveth righteousness. And so, He's praying here, and he said, if there's 50 righteous people, will they be destroyed? And he prevailed with God. The Lord said, verse 26, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. I'll spare the gay bars. I'll spare the gay prostitution houses. I'll, scare, I'll spare all the place, he said, for the 50 righteous. <laughs> By the way, don't worry about my cough. I have seasonal allergies. I was, I was with my wife on our 48th anniversary a couple days ago. We were in a nice restaurant, and I coughed. And it was one of those, I could tell, it just jerked my, choked me. And, and she goes, you all right? I go, oh, it's just, they're spraying the fields again. And, but, I mean, when I coughed, everybody just froze. <laughs> so I said real loud. Uh, man, I have, a, I have a strange sore throat. I don't understand this, and I can't taste the food either. She said, will you stop it? <laughs> she said, I'm enjoying my dinner. I want to finish it. We were having our 48th anniversary dinner. But anyways, <coughs> it's seasonal allergies. And the don't bring up cough drops I got in my pocket. I know what will work and what won't. But 50 righteous. Well, Abraham said, man, I haven't heard about a soul-winning revival in that town for a while. Maybe there aren't 50. And so he says, I've taken upon me to speak to the Lord, verse 27, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure, if there shall lack five of the fifty righteous, will thou destroy all the city for the lack of five? And he said, if I find there forty and five, he said, uh, I, I will not destroy it. And Abraham got to thinking about it. He said, you know, Lot hasn't gone so any lately. He used to tell me about it, but he doesn't tell me about that anymore. And he said, maybe there aren't even 45 saved people there. And he goes down to 40. And in the last part of verse 29, he, the Lord, said, I will not do it. I won't destroy it for 40's sake. And in verse 30, he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure there shall be 30 found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. 
Verse 31, and he said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure there shall be 20 found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I, now imagine that great city of over 100,000 people in sin and wickedness. God was going to destroy it if there was just 20 righteous people there. This is the God we're working with here in America, folks. And he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure, ten shall be found there. Now he thought he was saved. Lot, his wife. He had three daughters who were married. So three daughters, three sons, and uh, uh, two virgin daughters still living at home. Ten, bingo. He said, surely his family's saved. He said, peradventure, ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. Ten. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left, communing with Abraham. And Abraham returned unto his place. Now we saw the condemnation. God said that this sin was very grievous. And folks, America has legalized almost every sin we can find in the Bible. It's very grievous to God because as our government has legalized these sins, God's people, when it's convenient for them, participate in these sins and oftentimes say, well, that's legal. That's all right. And there was a condemnation. This sin was very vile. Even Lot himself said it was wickedness in verse 7 of chapter 19. There was Abraham's conversation with God. If it had not been for Abraham's conversation with God, his respectful prayer, he knew he was talking to God three times in this prayer, the beginning, the middle, and the end. He, he said, I know I'm talking to the Lord. I know I'm talking to you. Don't be angry with me. Hey, folks, we need to get rid of our fast and familiar relationship with God. How is it that the average Christian, according to a national poll, says they spend seven minutes or less in prayer with God Almighty, who the Holy Spirit dwells in us? It's like somebody in your home that you never talk to. I was in a home, the guest of a home, and they introduced me to everybody in the home, and they introduced me to um, the man's mother who was living with them. And she sat there and said hello. But I noticed all the activity of the home went on around her. Nobody talked to her. She wasn't included in conversations. She'd listen and once in a while she'd say, what's that? And they'd repeat it, sort of like they'd been put off by having to repeat it for grandma. Uh, and so I asked uh, one of the teenagers, I said, is your grandmother all there mentally? And she said, well, yes. Why? I said, nobody's talking to her. And I watched for an hour and a half, nobody talking to her. And we ate our dinner and nobody talked to her. And after dinner, I sat down and talked and talked. And man, we had a great conversation. And I thought, what a lonely life she lives in with her family. And they pretty much ignore. There were only a few key questions they asked her. Are you all right, Mom? Do you need anything, Mom? And when the answer was yes and no, then they just left her 
loneliness. <laughs> I made that word up again. Seven minutes a day for the Savior of our soul, who has greater love has no man than this, but that a man lay down his life for his friends. And God commanded his love to us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're too fast, and we're too familiar with God. And he was respectful, but he knew he had a standing before God and a responsibility. The responsibility is spelled out in a number of verses for us in the New Testament that he didn't have. The Bible says, if you see a man overtaken with a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one. He's trying to get Lot in a place of restoration. And the Bible says, First of all, prayer, supplication. I quoted that verse to you. Be made, he's, he's praying and supplicating and giving intercession, prayer and supplication, the Bible says, for Lot and his family and that wicked city. Now, do we have real intercessors in the United States today? How are you doing? I don't know what our number is. I don't know if God would spare the United States for 100,000 righteous people or for 1,000 righteous people or for 10 righteous people. But if there were enough righteous to please the Lord, he would spare it because the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. He's not going to say up in heaven, boy, everybody in the United States, a significant number repented and got right with God and these Righteous Christians were praying, and my ears open to their cry, so let's go destroy them. He's not going to say that. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a what? Righteous man availeth much. Will you take upon yourself the responsibility? Will you own this? Will you take upon yourself the responsibility of being the Abraham, the intercessor, the prayer warrior for the United States? Or do you and I want to go to heaven and the Lord say to us, I would, have, I would have spared your country if you would have been an intercessor. And if you would have prayed for righteousness and increased the righteousness in this country. We say, how do you increase the righteousness in this country? Well, you win people to Christ. And then Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, they now have the righteousness of God. I quoted that. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And so they're positionally righteous. Now they can practice for the first time in their lives practical righteousness and do right and live right. And when they don't do right, it's called unrighteousness. Oh, no, what happens then? If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all what? Unrighteousness. <laughs> we can go to God, repent. Say to God, agree with God what he says about our sin. And he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness when we go back to interceding for the other folks. There's still hope for America. God was 40 days from destroying Nineveh. And a great spiritual awakening broke out when finally one man got right with God and went from one end of the town to the other. And that place was so wicked, but God can do great and mighty things that we know not. Who was one of the first converts in that wicked city? The wicked king. 
And he declared, he became an evangelist. He declared a time of fasting and praying and for all the people and even the animals. And the animals started preaching. What? I didn't see that in the Bible. Well, you don't feed an animal for 40 days. And they're going to be crying out. Bah! Bah! Moo! Moo! I used to live on a dairy farm. And if I didn't get down to the heifer barn, at a certain time every day, I mean their stomachs had their internal clocks set. They start crying, clear up. A fourth of a mile away, we could hear it up at the place where we milked the cows. And somebody turned to me and said, hey, it's time for you to get down there and feed those heifers and turn that water loose again, turn that water back on. They were crying out. Can you imagine the donkeys? And the horses. And every time that was happening, the farmers and the people of the city said, we need to be right with God. We need to fast and we need to pray with our animals. Folks, we need to take responsibility for this. Well, what do you want me to do? Raise my hand? More than that. Come forward. That'd be a start, but more than that. Make a decision here and now. I'll do my part. I'll be right with God. When I'm not, I'll confess and forsake my sin. And I will make at the top of my prayer list praying for the people of this country. If you pray for the people of this country, the natural resources, all that will take care of themselves. Well, could God turn America around at this late hour? Again, go back and read Jonah. 40 days away from destruction. If we're 40 days from destruction, God will turn us around. If we would please him, for righteousness exalteth a nation. Let's bow our heads. God, please forgive us of our sin. Your people. You said, if my people which call themselves by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Then will I hear from heaven. Then will I forgive their sin, and then will I heal their land. And so we're not preaching this message at a bar or a nightclub this morning. This message goes to us, your people. Oh, God, please drive it home. Please drive it home. Please drive it home. In our hearts. Lord, so much has changed, we may not even be able to do what we're doing now, a year from now if we don't have a revival and a return to you. Help us personally to return to you, to pray, seek your face, turn from our wicked ways. Help us personally to turn to you and help us to become the intercessors for others that we should be. Lord, Brother Mike Weigel, Brother Harold Vaughn, we can't do it. We can't do it all ourselves. You want us all to be intercessors. You told us that first of all. And you said we're to intercede for all that are in authority. We need to be praying for our president and our governors and, and, and the con uh, congressional leaders who hate each other, it appears. Some of them do. God, help us. And help us to be faithful in passing out tracts and still witnessing to people through the avenues that we have. Help us to be faithful. And God, keep saving souls. 
I thank you, Lord, for the seven that got saved in our revival last week in Pennsylvania. And the man and his wife, Joshua and Kelly, who had been under conviction for a month, who got saved down in Spring Hope, North Carolina, the Sunday before. God keeps saving souls, we pray. I thank you for the guy that got saved here in our Preacher preached with a bullhorn at a water fountain in a park in our town. And he came and said, I need to get saved. And he got saved and he said, here's water. Can I jump in this fountain? Will you baptize me? And our pastor baptized him right there. What a testimony to our town as people stopped and saw what was going on in their water fountain. God help us to proclaim the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. With heads bowed and eyes closed before I say amen to the prayer, amen meaning let it be. How many of you can say, I've already trusted Christ my Savior. I have God's righteousness on my account. If I died, I go to heaven. I believe Jesus died for me, was buried, and rose again. And I have the righteousness of Christ by putting my faith in him. I have no doubt about that. Would you raise your hand as a testimony to that? Wonderful. I would almost expect that in an early morning service crowd like this. How many of you would say, who just raised your hand, I'll go beyond. I'll take responsibility. I may not be able to preach like Brother Weigel and, and Brother Shoemaker and some of the good preachers that come in here. I may not be able to preach like them. I may not be able to sing like some of the singers in this church, but I can get on my knees and bow my head and pray and intercede I want to take up the ministry and responsibility, the responsibility we're commanded to do it, of intercession. I'll make that vow to God by the upraised hand right now. Would you raise your hand? Folks, put it, <laughs> you know what my wife did? She took lipstick and wrote a heart, says I love you, right in front of the mirror I shave on every day. Hey, get some lipstick, your wife's lipstick, and put up there, Pray for the righteousness of America. Put it at the top of your prayer list. Pray for the and then be a faithful witness so that people can obtain the righteousness of Christ by faith in him. Brother Miller, I'm not even sure I'm saved. I'm not even sure I have his righteousness. Would you pray for my soul? I will and the pastor will. We're the only two looking. Would you raise your hand so we know who we're praying for? I'm not sure I'm saved. God, have your way in this brief invitation. May we have a sweet, silent, sincere prayer meeting up front. May we begin right now, not wait till we get home. In Jesus' name I ask it, amen. Would you look